guys, welcome to Soul Candy, the candy for your soul. And today we're gonna try and do something a little bit different. I'm actually going to be reading from one of my favorite books, Living Tao, Timeless Principles for Everyday Enlightenment by Ilchi Lee. So just pick that up if you want it. So let's go right into the weekly crystal, which is actually quartz. Quartz is one of my favorite crystals and it was actually one of my first. So that's kind of cool. So clear quartz is the most iconic of the quartz family. One of the most abundant minerals in the world, clear quartz can develop a wide range of environments and can be found on every continent. For this reason, quartz is tied to the lore of many ancient cultures from around the world. The term quartz comes from the Greek word for ice. Ancient Greek philosophers like Theophrastus believed that the transparent stone was a form of permanent ice, so cold it kept from thawing. Every ancient culture had a different uh, clear quartz meaning. In Japan, the clear quartz meaning referred to a perfect jewel because they believed it symbolized space, purity, and patience. Indigenous North American cultures thought of the stone as a sentient being and would gift food as well as other offerings in respect for its clear quartz meaning. Both cultures in Australia and South America have a similar quartz meaning. All right, let's move on to a little astrological thing that's happening in the month of October leading up to October 23rd. Um, so we're in Libra right now, which means that you're going to bring get balance from September, wait, no, from October 13th through the 22nd. And then I thought it was really interesting, but in our last podcast, We talked about the meteor shower that ends in the morning of the 22nd, and that's also where this section of the astrological wheel ends and moves into the, um, the full, the Scorpio. Okay, so our creator for today also founded a religion. His name is Lao Tzu, and he founded Taoism, or... Taoism, as I've heard some people call it, but I'm going to call it Taoism. So, let's get right into the book. I have it bookmarked here, and this is not my content. It's from the Living Tao, as I've said before. So, what is the meaning of life? What is the meaning of life? Before answering this question, take some time to examine your life. Start by writing down some notes about your life as you understand it. Write without hesitation. Whatever thoughts come to your mind, don't think too much about them. As you look back at your life's path up to this moment, write whatever is comfortable for you, taking time for gentle reflection. Your story will probably read something like this. My name is such and such, and I was born on this day and this place. My parents and family are like this. I've received this kind of education. I have various career experiences and I'm now doing this kind of work. I've loved these particular people and I've married a certain someone. I have a family with a certain number of children and I've learned these things in life. And what I want to achieve is this. What do you think? As you look back on your life, do you like what you see? Are you satisfied with your life? Are you happy? 
If you were to grade your life, the life you've lived so far, how many points would you give yourself? Why did you give yourself that score? Does your life seem sufficiently meaningful? Which of the following statements is true for you? I think life has a meaning. I think life has no meaning. If you think life has meaning, what is the meaning and value of life as you perceive it? If you think life has no meaning, why do you think this way? Imagine the following scene. The sun and stars are shining on the earth and people are living on the planet. You can see one conspicuous person right in the middle. Let's suppose that you're that person. One day you were born on this planet. Was the moment of your birth strange and confusing? Your first announcement to the world was a loud ringing cry. You received a name from your parents and you grew up in your own environment to become whom you are today. Few people today can say that they have no regrets about their lives up to this point, but looking back, you'll find that you have achieved quite a lot and that you have loved and been loved by many people. Imagine now that you're looking down on yourself and how you've lived way from way up in the sky. Seen in the distance, the human form is like a tiny ant. Perhaps you see a person who studies diligently, in a buried in a pile of books. He studies so much that he sometimes forgets to sleep, and he gets a good degree. Although he has experienced heart-wrenching failures several times, he finally finds his own long-sought-after niche. He works passionately and he's successful. As he goes back and forth, back and forth, busily traveling to and fro, he meets a lot of people and diligently gathers things, things together, like an ant. Food, clothing, accessories, books, furniture, houses, works of art. Looking at what he owns with great satisfaction, he mumbles to himself, um, this much isn't so bad, but I want more. Those around him look at him with envy. Without realizing it, he walks with a swagger, and his heart swells with satisfaction. Seen from far away, the life of a single human being isn't much different from the life of that of an ant. We appear for a short while on this planet and then disappear. Everyone dies in the end. From a cosmic perspective, a human's being life and death may not be much more significant than an ant's life and death. Is the universe going to mourn your death, or will it uh, be that of an ant? Let's say that one day you die and vanish from the planet. What is likely to happen? Will flowers fail to bloom and the sun cease to rise because you're gone? Of course not. Though you vanish, the earth will keep turning and the sun will rise the next morning. Flowers will bloom, birds will sing, and the world will move on. Your family, friends, and acquaintances will grieve for you a while but over time they will continue to live their lives just as they did before. Not a comforting image, but let's go a little farther. Suppose that suddenly every single person on the earth vanished. The entire human race became extinct like the dinosaurs of long ago. What would happen then? What would come of the, become of the earth after it lost all the human species that once called itself master? If the human race vanished, would the Earth's other life disappear with it? Of course it wouldn't. The Earth might actually feel much relieved, having lost the burden of a trouble-making headache of a species. The planet's other organisms would continue with the phenomena of life perfectly, enjoying a well-deserved peace. 
if there is not much different between life of a human and the life of an ant, and if we would, and if the world would continue to go on without the human race, then what is the meaning of our lives? Why have we come into this world? As harsh as it may sound, in reality, life is nothing, no thing. Life is meaningless. Life in this sense refers to life trapped in the physical body. A life centered in the physical body ends in futility when the body dies. All the material values we pursue, pursue remain here when we vanish with the annihilation of our bodies. Without any special effort, our physical bodies grow from childhood to adulthood to old age. Our bodies will pass through the same cycle of life, and when we die, we will return to the soil. And it's, same, and it's the same for everyone. That's why I say a life focused solely on the physical body is meaningless. If we place our standards, the standards of our life only in our bodies, then we will become that much more meaningless. This is because, ultimately, we have no choice but to wait for the day when our bodies die. Dying, in fact, begins the moment we are born. No one is an exception. In the passion of the, the, their youth, young people may think that death and illness have nothing to do with them. But no one knows that among us, uh, no one knows who among us will be the first to return our borrowed lives. We are all future corpses. Our physical bodies are like inmates on death row, whose date of execution has not been set yet. Many people live their lives giving reason to explain why their lives are worthwhile. But at some instant, they collapse when they feel the futility of, our lives, of their lives. For those people who find the meaning of their existence only in their bodies, it's difficult to ex discover their tr the true meaning of their lives. Uh, uh, the true worth of their lives because of the life of their body it's not uh, itself eternal life is meaningless they must thoroughly know this and start again attachments develop when they assign primary meaning to, to a life centered in the body when attachments develop they have have a prejudice and when they have prejudice prejudice they cannot see the whole let's flip the nice page to truly awaken to the tao you must realize deep down that living a life centered in the body is meaningless. The moment you realize a life trapped in the body is an impair is impairment and meaningless is the moment you begin your enlightenment. In that moment, your Tao eyes open, the eyes capable of discovering something beyond the body. The body is futile. Then why do we live? Have we really come into this world simply to do lives merely getting only by to die meaningless deaths? Humans have more than just a body. They have a consciousness that controls and moves the body, but that consciousness is trapped in the shell of the body. Your consciousness is trapped in that very confined space of your body. Lacks, uh, in the very confined space of your body, lacks the room to watch itself. Have you ever had the feeling that your consciousness was trapped in your body and you wanted it to be freed? The way to truly escape from the limitations of the body is switched from a life centered in the body to a life centered in the, in the consciousness and the soul. Let's return once more to our picture of the earth. The sun and the stars still shine and the biological activity continues on the earth 
has disappeared. Now let's say that one day, um, okay, uh, the sun and stars will shine, the biological activity continues on Earth, from which the entire human species, including you, has disappeared. Now let's say that one day after an incomprehensible amount of time has passed, the Earth itself reaches the end of its life. Once the Earth disappears, what's left? The sun and the stars remain. Suppose the sun also disappears, and the countless stars in the universe are gone. What is left? Probably only empty space remains. Would you want to exist in such a scenario? If you would want to exist, in what form would you like to exist? Is this the question I want to ask you? What exists if the earth vanishes, if the universe disappears? The meaning of your eternal being is, being is contained in the answer to that question. What if the, that's something that clearly exists even when everything in the universe disappears? It is invisible. It's the invisible world of the Tao. Not the visible world of phenomena. It is your energy, your consciousness and soul. This is the hope that makes your once futile meaning life truly meaningful and worthwhile. All right, so basically what that means is you're in this physical body, and that physical body, if you're just living from your physical body, then your life doesn't matter. So that's why you, by human nature, go out into other things, into your mind and into your consciousness, and it gives your life meaning. So let's go to another chapter. Okay, chapter three, recognizing your soul and divinity. So what's the true nature of emotion? Human beings experience emotions because they have bodies. If humans didn't have bodies, then they would no longer have emotions. Countless emo emotions arise in the course of trying to satisfy the needs that come from having a body. Okay, I, I agree with that and I, I kind of disagree with that too because you have an emotional body so it's not necessarily just your physical body that's the emotions you have an emotional body so when you don't have this body anymore you still got emotions like in the astral realm you're able to see auras and emotions in the beings that's why you can easily read beings or people's intentions in the astral realm actually i think i'm gonna do an episode on the um astral realm soon so stay tuned for that how to control emotion if you want to change your emotions try to change your environment by taking some sort of action negative emotions in particular have the ability to drag you even deeper into despair in particular when you hesitate and don't take action when you acknowledge that the emotions are not you but yours you can choose to cast off undesired emotions by the power of the feelings associated with each emotion it loses its grip by choosing to take some action you're mastering the emotion. When you're angry, don't just simmer. Try changing your location and going for a walk. 
The energy of fire that is risen to the top of your head will float away on a breeze, and your once blocked chest will start to open up. When you feel yourself sinking into loneliness, don't just sit there and stew. Try putting on some music and cleaning or dancing. The energy of joy will well from it uh, within your heart. Okay. What is the completion of the soul? The soul seeks to move forward towards something. It wants to encounter something and achieve unity with it. The incomplete soul came to this world to wander, earnestly searching for its other half, the divine. Divinity is the light that shines brightly within you. What is the soul and what it, what is divinity? <sighs> How are the two different? We feel loneliness of the soul in our hearts. This means that the energy of our souls exists in our chest. That's why we love the so- lo- the love of the soul and the joy of the soul and the sadness of the soul spread out from the chest. Does the divine nature then also exist in the chest? The soul wouldn't be lonely if the divine nature was to gather in the heart. The energy of divinity is found in the brain. To explain this in terms of the human body's chakra system, the energy of the soul is found in the middle of the chest, the fourth chakra, and the energy of divinity is found in the brain, in the sixth chakra. The soul feels loneliness because it seeks to be completed by encountering its other half, the divine nature. The only way to resolve your soul's loneliness is to encounter its own divine nature. How can your soul encounter divinity? First, you must hold within you the dream of encountering divinity, the dream of the soul. The soul has one dream, to become one with its divine nature. To become one with divinity, you must believe in existence of the divine nature. Your belief must be unwavering, fueled by a sincere desire within your heart. The seed of divine nature slowly starts to sprout in that moment. It's like a mother hen sitting on her eggs, waiting for the chicks to hatch. Some of them are moved deeply when they hear the words. You have a divinity within you, but the others listen half-heartedly or with discernist. These words reach those who have a pure, earnest desire to seek the Tao. A person's divine nature begins to a form when the momentary impulse rips like an arrow through the the curtain that once hid the soul and embeds itself in the soul's heart. Free souls. Second, for the soul to encounter divinity, the soul should be free. In other words, for the soul in the heart, the fourth chakra, to ascend and meet the divinity of the head, the sixth chakra, uh, the soul should be light and free enough. You may wonder what what is meant by ascending. The soul and the divine nature exist in the energetic state. Although both are invisible, when the energy of the soul becomes sufficient by light, the pure light energy in the chest spreads out and rises to the upper chakras, like the natural principles by which light moist vapor rises. Whew. What then must we do to take the energy of the soul lighter? Let's imagine a basket with a great hop air balloon attached to it. To send the balloon skyward, we must first release the ropes that anchor it to the ground and to lighten the balloon's load. Heavy balanced sandbags inside must be discarded. Now the balloon can rise freely into the sky because the weight within the basket has been reduced. In the same way, the heart 
and our egoic mind must let go of the things it clings to. Clings to. When we call the heavy things that hang on the soul attachments, they do not actually cling to your soul by their own strength. They're the one holding tightly on. You are the one holding tightly onto them. That's okay. But don't be afraid of the ego, as I said in the last. It's just a part of the whole. So don't do that. I'm going to actually leave you guys off on a cliffhanger <laughs> for this one. And next week, if you like this, we will, or on Monday, we will explore the three studies for the growth of the soul. I'll see you soon. And, um... Yeah, thank you for tuning in, and I hope you have an amazing day. See you soon. Bye.